God, we love you, and we're so excited to be here this morning. So excited to be able to open up your word, to be able to dive into what you have for us. God, we are just so excited about all that you're doing in our church. God, last week to see all of the kids lining the front, and all of our teachers lining the front, and just to be able to pray for them and to imagine just the difference that they're going to be able to make on their school campuses. God, we are just so pumped about what you're doing here at the church. God, we just, we, we pray again, as we do every week, that as we open up your word and dive in together, we, we grow together this morning, that you would speak through me. Would it not be my words that are coming out of my mouth? God, no one came to hear from me today. We all come to hear from you. And so, God, I just, we lift you up, and we just say, would you speak to us? God, we love you. We give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are, this morning, in week 17, if you can believe it, of more than a feeling. Uh, 17 weeks, uh, but it's not all just built on each other. We've, got, we've had two parts that we've gone through. Today is the start of part three, uh, but in part one, we really talked about what, it, what does it look like to live and believe what we believe in what people are calling a post-truth culture, where everyone has their own truth. And it doesn't matter what we say is truth, because if you don't think it's truth, then it's not true for you. How do we, how do we live? How do we, how do we navigate this time where, where we live, where there's no absolute truth? But we have absolute truth. So we spent part one talking about what do we believe and why do we believe it? What is this Bible? What does, what does the word of truth, what does God's word to us say about what we believe and why we believe it? Do we believe in this truth? Part two was if, if yes, right? If, if part one is a yes, if we believe everything in part one, what do we believe? And part two is really answering this question, then and what do we do? What are some practices that you and I can, can have in our lives that help us to mature into the image of Christ? What, what are some practices that we can do, like worship and discipleship and evangelism and accountability? And, and I, I encourage you if, you, if you miss any of that, go ahead and listen to the podcast, catch up on some of those practices that we can have. But part three is, is answering a different question. We're moving from what do we believe to what do we do to now really kind of the, the why and who are we becoming? Who are we becoming? What are the kinds of people that God is calling us to be? How do we live the kind of lives that Jesus has called us to live? So what do we believe? What do we do? Now we're into who are we becoming? What are some of the characteristics? What are some of the virtues of people who claim Christ and choose to follow him? What are some of these things? What does maturing into the image of Jesus look like. And today I just I want to start our part three in kind of a familiar spot uh, because oftentimes that's where we start, right? Let's, let's build a foundation together and then we'll go from there. But really part three is really, it all comes down to this. It all comes down to having the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ. This is the foundation for all of the virtues and all of the characteristics that we are going to have as believers. It takes a renewed mind. We're going to be in a familiar passage this morning. Romans chapter 12, starting at 1, uh, 1 and 2. So where we're going to be. This is really where our transformation starts. This is where this question of who are we becoming begins to be answered, is in, in our minds, in the renewing of our minds, as we see in Romans chapter 12. If you're in one of our pew Bibles, you want to go there, it's on page 900 and, 
I can't read my writing, 995, it might be 975, I don't know, it's a 7, all right, 975, uh, that's where we're going to be, we'll kind of be all over the place, but this is where we're going to start, Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1, and I'm just going to read one word, therefore, (laughs) because therefore, we always ask to ask, what is therefore, therefore, thank you Rachel, (laughs) no one else knows that, all right, what's therefore, therefore, we got to ask that question, because really, the therefore in this passage kind of is the same therefore that we can start part three on in this series. Because the first 11 chapters of Romans is just kind of this beautiful picture of God and his grace and, and how he brings us out of our sin into salvation, how we can begin to live for him. The, the book of Romans is really kind of just a, a short version of the gospel. And so we, we get to this point in Romans chapter 12, and Paul just says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you, right? He, this is kind of the same therefore that we have. Therefore, since we believe what we say we believe, and since then we have put in put into practice some of these things that God is calling us to practice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I I think this is exactly where we need to start part three. Because I think it begins in us being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're talking about who we are becoming. Let's talk about being transformed into the people that God is calling us to be. So he starts to, to offer your bodies. This is essentially what we've been talking about in part two of this series. All of these practices. Offer, offer your bodies. Do the things that you're going to be doing as a sacrifice to God. Holy and pleasing. Part two. These, all these practices are really what we're talking about here. It's the way you live. The way that we live is an act of worship. And we worship Christ. Now, this is contrary to the way of the world, typically. The way of the world is not to worship Christ. The way of the world, this is contrary to the way of the world because our, our minds, the way, that we, the way that we are before Christ, is that we're kind of designed to worship ourselves. Survival of the fittest, right? This is who it is. This, I'm going to do everything that I do because of me and to honor me, to protect me and to make sure that I am going to be healthy and happy and all of these things. Everything is a me focus. But when we come to Christ, therefore, since we believe the things that we believe and we've put into practice these things, there's this command. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. There's one translation that says... Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. The message version, actually, I I don't use it very often, but this one I love. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without thinking. That's a great translation. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without thinking. Stop living according to the world. That is what... Paul is saying here in this letter to the Romans. And I think what we miss sometimes when we begin to talk about this is it's not just about behavior. 
Not conforming to the pattern of the world is more than just a behavior issue. If all that we're doing is trading one set of behaviors and do's and don'ts for another set of behaviors and do's and don'ts, we're kind of missing the point. That's not what life in Christ looks like. It's not just about living these, this list of do's and don'ts. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's, it's more than that. It's saying, you're, you're, I mean, some of those obviously change. <laughs> they have to change, right? But, because, but if that's all that we're doing, then we're missing it. I think one of the clearest pictures of this is in Romans chapter 1. If you just go back just a few pages with me. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 21. <coughs> Paul is beginning to, to speak about these people who, yeah, we'll, we'll get the picture in a second. It's not a fun passage to read, but it's an important passage to read to get the picture that we need to talk about this morning. Verse 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Again, this isn't necessarily a, a happy passage to read, but this is a passage that I think gives us a pretty clear picture of, of really what the pattern of this world is. Right? It starts, this pattern of this world starts with kind of a, a disordered thought, or a disordered worship, really. Uh, these, these people are, uh, verse 21, they, they neither glorified Him as God, even though they, they knew God, they didn't glorify God. They failed to worship God. Instead, they worshipped things that were not of God. And verse, verse 25 says they worshipped created things rather than the Creator. Right? Their, their worship, even though they, they knew about God, their worship was not in order. Their worship was, was disordered. So this disordered worship leads to kind of a disordered thought. Right? They knew God, it says. They knew God. They didn't worship God, but they began to, to give in to this futile thinking. Their thinking was not about the things of God. Their thinking was not the way that God would have them to think. Their thinking was not the way that they should be thinking because their worship was misplaced. And when your worship is misplaced, the thoughts that you begin to think become to be misplaced as well. I mean, what you, what you worship drives you. When you worship God... Everything that you do, everything that you think, every word that you say just becomes just an expression of this worship to God. If we let other things in and we begin to worship other things like, like money or power or fame or all of these things that the world says are super important, if we begin to, to worship those things and the thoughts inside of our head begin to chase those things instead. So, disordered worship Lays a disordered thought. We begin to focus on earthly things. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about this as well. If you want to go there, Ephesians chapter 4 is on page uh, 1008 in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Here's another 
Paul, Paul using this phrase again, their thinking is futile. They're, they don't live in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life, you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance to the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, with its being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to, be, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put aside this thinking that is futile. You were taught, <laughs> Paul is saying, you were taught, just like you were taught, that when you come to Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. There is a new way of life. No longer do we have to live in the old way of living. We have a, a new life given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And in this new life, we don't have to think and to live the way that we have been living. See, this disordered worship leads to disordered thought, leads to disordered desire, right? As we begin to think about things, we begin to desire things that are not of God. It happens in Romans chapter 1. It happens here. As they begin to, to disorder their worship, disorder their thinking, their desires begin to change. And out of those desires changing, we have disordered behavior. We begin to live lives that are not of God. This is the pattern of the world. This is the pattern of the world. This is, this is what it is. And, and Paul in Romans chapter 12 here is saying, stop it. Don't be conformed to this pattern of the world. Don't worship things that are not of God. Don't focus your thoughts on things that are not of God. Don't focus your desires on things that are not of God. Don't, don't focus your behavior on things that are not of God. These are the pattern of this world. But, but Paul is saying, don't be conformed to this pattern. Instead, be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. This transformed is such a great word. It's actually the same word used in the Gospels when we're talking about the transfiguration. Same exact word. Be transformed from the inside out. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is, it's not just a new heart that we read about in Ezekiel chapter 36. It is a new mind. God wants to give you and renew your mind. What, is it, what does it look like? What does it look like to learn to think, for lack of a better word, Christianly? What does it learn to what does it what does it mean? How do we how do we learn to think like Jesus? How do we let the 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 person of Christ, the truth of Christ, the mission of Christ, how do we let all of this drive the way that we think, drive the way that we live? How do we how do we shape every thought? in this way. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's not, not too far back there. It's on page 998. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 talks a little bit about this. Verse 3 to 5. This is again Paul. We're hanging out with Paul this morning. It says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought 
and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought. Not, we don't take captive some thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. We don't take captive like this portion of what we think about. Like, why don't take our fantasy football thoughts and make those captive to Christ? We don't take, we take every single thought and, and make it obedient to Christ. We, we capture every thought. We take captive every thought. Make it obedient to Jesus Christ. How, how is that even done? Paul doesn't really go into how it's done, but I'm going to give you what I think. I think taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ looks sort of like this. It's, it's to continually look and focus on the person of Jesus Christ. To continually look, to continually focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. We need to be continually, always, looking to Jesus, looking at his example. We need to fix our eyes on him. Now, now, this is hard in our culture. Because our culture is designed to pull your mind in a million different directions. All at one time. But if we can keep our focus on Jesus, then we won't be distracted by, by news or politics or sports or anything else that can, can captivate our attention and move it aside. We fix our eyes on Jesus and see everything, sports and news and politics, through that lens of Jesus Christ and Scripture. This is how we take captive every thought. We see everything through the lens of Christ, through the lens of what he has done for us, what he has done in the world. And we, we, we don't just continue to look to the person of Jesus Christ. We have to submit to the spirits moving in our lives. I mean, this Romans chapter 12 passage, this being transformed by the renewing of your mind, the language here is not, does not make it sound like anything that you and I can do. In the original language, this being transformed is, is put in the passive language. Your mind is being transformed, not by you, but by the Spirit of God. There's nothing that you can do, in the same way that there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation, there's nothing that you can do personally to transform your mind. This is a work of the Spirit of God, by the power of God within you. We need to submit to the Spirit's work in our lives. Now, how do, we, how do we do this? How do we keep our eyes focused on Jesus? How do we submit to the spirits working in our lives? How does, how does this become the lens through which we see everything through? How does this renewing of our mind happen? How do we allow the spirit to move in? How do we allow the spirit to, to guide and direct? How do we allow the spirit to, to help us to focus on Jesus and see everything through that lens? First of all, we need to be in this book. We need to know this book. We need to read this book. Everything necessary that we need to know about God and our salvation is contained in this book. Now, the answers to everything aren't necessarily here. Where am I going to go to lunch today? There's not like a Psalm 32:7 that's going to say on Sunday, August 25th, you're going to go to Mexican food. 
It's just not there. Like there's some, there's some small questions that, that are not going to be in this book that we don't necessarily need the spirits guiding and directing us to try and figure out what we're going to eat today. But, I mean, some of us, if you're married, maybe you do sometimes need the spirit to help you figure out where you're going to lunch today. That's a different story for a different day. <laughs> but, <laughs> getting a head shake, that's a good sign. All right, so... We need to be in this word, though. This word can shape and guide and direct everything that we have to do in our lives. If we have questions about what, how God would have us to deal with something, how God would have us to, to deal with someone or speak to someone, how God would, would have us go into work and how we need to deal with something at work, what's going on, there, there's probably some answers in here about how our attitudes are, should be, how our, how our minds should be, how we can go into that meeting and see everything through the lens of Jesus Christ. See everything through the lens of the cross. See everything through the lens of the transformation that has happened within you and me. There's, we need to be in this word and know what is in this word. We also need to be in prayer. Now, both of these practices we talked about in part two. We talked about discipleship and knowing this word and being in this word. In part one, we talked about how this word was the word of God. We, there's, there's a lot of this that just flows together. Right? But we, we need to be in this word and we need to be in prayer. Continually in prayer. Remember, we need to pray about everything that matters to us continually and listen. I'm missing a piece of that from my sermon in part two. But we need to be in prayer. This is how God speaks to us. This is how God moves our hearts and begins to transform our minds. As we begin to, to hear from him and to be able to focus on him, to be able to hear the voice of God and, and just feel the nudge of the spirit to say, look, this is what you need to be doing. And then we do it. And as we do that, Romans 12 says that we will, our lives will begin to be transitioned into the will of God. I mean, let's just read this, Romans chapter 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You ever wondered what the will of God was in your life? I have good news for you this morning. God wants you to know also. God's not hiding it from you. God's not hiding his will from you. I promise you, as you live with this transformed mind, the things that you do, the things that you say, will just begin to fit right in with what God has for you. God does not hide his will from his believers. In fact, I bet God is just as passionate about letting you find his will as you are about finding it. God has this life that he wants you to live. He, is, he has designed you for, on purpose for a purpose to live this way. God's will is there for you. It, what, the where we get there is by renewing our mind, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12. This is, this is huge. This is the foundation 
for what it means to answer this question, who are we becoming? Because this question cannot be answered outside of being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because if what we're becoming is done under our own power, we're still missing it. We can't transform ourselves. We need the power of the Spirit to transform us, to be able to live the life that God is calling us to live, to be, to be able to mature into the image of Jesus Christ that God is calling us to mature into. This is what it's all about. This is the foundation for answering this question, who are we becoming? The person we are becoming is a follower who has been transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's no other way that the things that we're going to talk about for the next seven weeks make sense outside of a renewed mind. And I'm excited. I'm excited to get going to talk through this. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we give you thanks and praise for who you are. God, it has been such a good day to be here in your presence. Such a good day to come and to worship together. Such a good day to be able to dig into your word. God, this is a familiar passage. This is probably already underlined and starred in our Bibles. But God, would you just, would you just remind us this week that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind? Would we begin to fix our eyes or continue to fix our eyes on you? Would we continue to, to allow the Spirit to, to shape us and to guide us and direct us? Would we, would we have ears to hear and, and eyes to see what the Spirit has for us, God, as we are being directed? And as we do this, as we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, will we find ourselves straight in the center of your will? Will we find ourselves doing what you have called us to do? Will we find ourselves making a difference in our communities. God, the point is that more and more people would come to know you. God, as we begin to live this out, to mature into your image, would we bring people in? And not just to this building, but into relationship with you. God, we give you glory, we give you praise for all that you do and all that you are. You are great and greatly to be praised. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And if you're new this morning or if it's been a while, we end every service uh, the same way. Uh, we just lift out our hands and just receive a blessing uh, from God as we go. May our God, God of grace and love and joy. May he strengthen you as you go this week. May he remind you that he is renewing your mind. And may this renewed mind bring you courage and boldness to go out and to live the life that God is calling you to live. Go in peace and the love of Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace this morning.